Hello and welcome to Endurance Minded, a podcast that looks at the psychological and emotional components of endurance sports and how they impact performance. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at Thomas Endurance Coaching. And on this episode, uh, I speak with Carson McQuarrie. Uh, Car- Carson is, um, among other things, uh, he is the fastest vegan to bike across both the U.S. and Canada. Um, he rode across Canada in 25 days, across the United States in 17 days. Uh, he is also uh, one of uh, our coaches on the TEC coaching team. Um, he is a certified uh, personal trainer. Uh, he has uh, expertise in nutrition, um, as well as uh, focuses on working with uh, primarily ultra-distance athletes for, uh, uh, for us at TEC. And um, I brought Carson on because he brings a, a, a wealth of knowledge. We, we dive in and start by talking about his, um, his trips across both the U.S. and Canada, um, what that looked like for him, uh, how he trained for it, how he compartmentalized the preparation for those trips. So often um, athletes can get bogged down by uh, setting aggressive goals and not knowing uh, exactly how to get there or getting overwhelmed uh, in the preparation. And so we, uh, Carson talks about how he uh, took on that, that process and how he compartmentalized that process to lead to success. Um, we also talked about one of my favorite topics, which is self-acceptance. And uh, we talk about how shifting goals uh, and the fact that just because you were once uh, one type of athlete or set one type of specific goals, doesn't mean that you have to continually set those specific goals if they don't add value to your life and how self-acceptance and the acknowledgement that um, our journey as athletes is exactly that, a journey. Uh, and if that, uh, if those goals change, if that journey changes, uh, it doesn't diminish uh, or, or detract from our athletic identity. And Carson, um, gives uh, great insight into that because he comes from a place of these uh, tremendous uh, accomplishments and as his life has changed, as he's evolved as an individual, he's still an athlete, um, but it looks different right now than it has in the past. And so we we talked through what that's looked like for him. And I think that conversation um, and and those highlighting that self-acceptance piece um, stands to really benefit a lot of athletes because I've seen that play out so often um, with athletes uh, in my experience over the years. So lots of great uh, wisdom, lots of great insight from Carson's experiences. Um, Carson and I uh, have known each other for a long time, so uh, we have a lot to talk about and, uh, and he uh, provides uh, lots of great uh, takeaways that I think are going to be applicable for athletes of, uh, of all disciplines and backgrounds, uh, and, and honestly, people, uh, people in general, even outside of the athletic community. So um, hope you enjoy my conversation with Carson. Um, as always, check out thomasendurancecoaching.com for anything that we talk about on the podcast. Uh, we also just launched uh, lots of new, uh, really great dynamic training plans that are available on the Training Peaks uh, web store. Uh, so we have off-season plans, we have discipline-specific plans for runners and mountain bikers, road cyclists, we have strength training programs, 
uh, and we're launching new ones uh, every week. So check out uh, those at thomasendurancecoaching.com or you can search Thomas Endurance Coaching at trainingpeaks.com in the training plan store uh, and access those as well. So uh, if you're feeling kind of stuck or bogged down as we transition into different seasons, uh, training plans are a great way to bridge that gap and, uh, and help you stay focused and motivated. So check out the training plans or Thomas Endurance Coaching for any other information. Thanks so much. Enjoy my conversation with Carson McQuarrie. Hey, Carson. How you doing? Good. How are you, Taylor? I'm fantastic. Um, how are things on on the on the other side of the world? Pretty good. It's kind of overcast today, and um, just enjoying a cup of uh, green and lemon tea. Wow, what a <laughs> what a, you you always seem to start the morning uh, in, in a much like calmer fashion than uh, than I think most people start their <laughs> start their mornings. Every every time I talk to you, it's it's a very tranquil uh, environment. It seems like I'm I'm always, I'm always jealous of of how uh, how put together you you seem uh, you seem in the mornings versus like well my me- <laughs> I don't know maybe it's an illusion but it, you seem that you you have it together really good it seems like in full transparency I do I do make an effort uh, when I'm on a, when I have a phone call planned I make sure to have a cup of tea kind of puts me in a bit of a mood. But um, yeah, yeah, also yeah. probably not as busy as a lot of people. So <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I do the same thing. It's funny the, the like um, that I do the same thing with tea. It's nice to have like a like yeah. I, I spend a lot of time, um, you know, on the, as we all do, you know, Zoom calls and conference calls, and, and I always have like a beverage. You know, it's it's like a, there's a little bit of a calming kind of effect to. Uh, yeah, having having a cup of tea or or uh, or something like that, especially in the in the because you guys are uh, so yeah you're in, you're in Tasmania, um, and you're you guys are well I guess you're kind of in the tail end of winter time there. Am I am I right about that? Yeah, that's exactly right. Actually, we've had we've actually had this past week, um, maybe maybe ten days. We've had a few days that have been uh, low twenties. So it's starting to warm up, which has been quite nice. And um, yeah. And um, yeah, but it is a bit different than, than North America, but uh, yeah. So um, yeah, I find, I find that the tea kind of creates a bit of a clarity before the phone calls, like you mentioned. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's, I, I feel the same way. It's interesting the way that that works. I feel like there's a little bit of a, uh, uh, it kind of helps to, uh, kind of center you or something you know i don't know what it, what the science is that you know certainly it's uh it's metaphysical and, and probably not as much physiological but it's uh, it helps nonetheless um yeah you don't want to be getting so, calls with athletes feeling all neurotic <laughs> <laughs> i uh as as you as you know uh i am also a uh, uh i i i'm really uh into to coffee uh and i, I drink uh not a yeah. tremendous amount of caffeine, but I, I definitely am a habitual user of uh, caffeine. And so, uh, I'm sure that there's plenty of times also where I'm also like pretty, <laughs> my, my beverage of choice is, uh, is not a cup of tea, but rather a, a tall cup of, uh, uh, or a cup of, uh, you know, coffee or espresso. And, uh, I probably have plenty of times where I come across uh, a neurotic. So I'm not, I'm not, uh, again, 
you're you're much more centered and uh, and tranquil than I am. I, I'm always jealous of how uh, how put together you, you are and, and how how like manic sometimes I uh, I seem to be. But um, so um, <laughs> talking in the in since we're talking about uh, about tranquility, I don't know. This is not a good segue. Um, I just I want to talk about it. Um, you so for for the folks uh, that don't know. Um, you you're one of our coaches uh at, at TC and uh which is great uh, you've been working with us for uh for a couple years now and you before you came on board uh you and I actually worked together uh I uh we had a coach athlete relationship for a while so you and I've known each other for a good number of years now um and before uh before all of that you um you had some uh undertook some uh, some really ambitious uh cycling uh slash athletic endeavors of your own and you you are uh to this day still the fastest vegan to bike across both the US uh and Canada uh which is super super awesome and i always think that's a incredible like uh incredibly cool thing to be able to say about yourself i don't have anything that cool to say about my myself so I'm, always, <laughs> uh, I'm, je- I'm, I'm jealous of your tranquility and i'm jealous of your really cool uh email signature line that, that allows you to say fastest vegan to cross the u.s and canada um but that's so it was it and correct me if i'm wrong but it's uh was it 25 days for canada and 17 for the states, or it was, or is it the other way around, or is it, are those the right dates or dates? Yeah. So I'll, um, I, I, I appreciate that, uh, the, uh, the, uh, admiration there <laughs> from you. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, I will add clarity though, and I'll usually mention this when it comes up in conversation. Um, so you are correct in the times it was, it was 25 days for Canada and, um, and 17 riding days with three rest days for the U S so 20 total days there. Um, and, um, the Canada trip was to Ottawa, Ontario. So it wasn't totally coast to coast. However, that trip finished actually when I came into upstate New York. So it was an additional about four or 500 K. So it was, it was the equivalent distance. Um, okay. The, gotcha. Uh, us, us trip. Um, yeah, that was, that was coast to coast. Um, however, I do not think I'm the fastest person to ride across the U S anymore. Um, there was this guy, I think last year, Abdullah, he's from Australia and he did the, um, the, um, uh, the, the Mike Hall, uh, race, the, the, uh, oh, what's it called? Um, the, uh, uh, okay. It slips my mind, but I think he did it in like, he did it in record time. Um, uh, and I think he's, I think he's at the moment the fastest person to, I think he did it in like 16 days. And that's like a fully self-supported one. It's an, it was an insane, insane, uh, achievement. Yeah. On wow. Him. But yeah, uh, I read yeah. about, uh, yeah, I read about him. I, I don't remember all the, all the details, but, um, 
Yeah. Well, it looks like you, you know, if someone has uh, kicked you off of your throne, looks like you got some work to do. You got to get back out there and, uh, get you. <laughs> <laughs> does it, does it matter what, um, is it, is it when you do a goal, you know, when you kind of have a, uh, something like that, like, a, you know, kind of, a, uh, I guess like a moniker like that, or, uh, you know, some, some sort of big goal that, that is when you, when you kind of, you know, it's very obvious when you say something like that, everybody knows what you're talking about. Does it matter the route? Like did that guy who, who did it in 16 days, is it just kind of coast to coast and however you get there is, is that, that then takes the record or is there distinguishing, you know, distinctions between if you, you know, go through the, you know, North, I mean, cause the route obviously could, could be dramatically different both in terrain and distance and, <laughs> And all these things, you know, if you're in the northern part yeah. of the country, you know, very mountainous. Uh, yeah. So does that does that matter, or are there distinctions, or is it just kind of all Yeah. Yeah. I think. I don't remember. The the route of uh, the other race that occurred that was that started in the same place I started. However, it ended. Uh, a bit below New York. So I think it was, it may have actually been a little bit longer than my trip, which was pretty much, you know, horizontal across, across the U S. Um, and, and I'm not totally familiar with all, you know, U S terrain on these different routes, but I've also heard from the director of Ram that the, the route that I took is slightly easier or, you know, is easier than, than some of the other routes of these, of these events. Um, but, uh, but you, you know, you don't really know what kind of conditions people experience as well, you know, from year to year. And, and also mine was, mine was not self-supported. I had a, I had a support vehicle. So that's a huge distinction. He, you know, he broke my record. He beat me on a, on a route that was slightly, probably slightly longer. And, was self-supported and he beat me by like four days. So, um, he definitely, he definitely, you know, <laughs> uh, well, you know, well, we all can't, but you know, we can't bask in our own glory forever and ever, you know, we have to be dethroned. That's yeah. the nature of these types <laughs> of things. But, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Uh, and you know, some time has passed, I mean, not to diminish, you know, the other guy's accomplishment, but you know, as you know, some time has passed you, how, how long has it been since you set those records? It's been, yeah. How long has it been? It's, um, I think that U S one, I think now is about four years. Yeah. It doesn't okay. sound like a long time, you did. but it feels like a lifetime, lifetime ago for me. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing what you can, uh, yeah, like how much, as they say, you know, like water under your bridge, you can kind of accumulate in, in, a, in, in you know, four, four years. Um, I, but I, I, so I, I want to, you know, those are obviously massive undertakings, regardless of the, of the time. You know, truthfully, I, I think, you know, is it is it awesome? Obviously, like I said, I, I think it's it's uh, it's super cool that you know that you you were the fastest, uh, or still are the fastest for the Canadian and. Um, and I, I think that's awesome. But even if you weren't the fastest, I mean, an undertaking like that is is notable, you know, uh, by itself. I mean, I, truthfully, I don't think it, you know, I you would probably agree. Like, to to do anything for that length of time to cover that type of distance is uh, is 
is notable. So I want to, I want to talk about it um, because I think, you know, that's one of, for me, that's one of the most fascinating things about the, the, the kind of ultra distance. Um, and I guess maybe that term, you know, it, it gets used a lot, but when I talk about ultra distance, typically for me, that's, you know, multiple days, that's things that, that, you know, it's like <laughs> you, you see multiple, you see multiple sun, sunsets or sunrises or, or whatever. Um, I, I, and so the thing that always is fascinating to me and, and keeps me kind of captivated in the space personally and professionally, um, is just like how, how much it requires of an individual on all fronts, like mentally, physically, emotionally, uh, it, it really just kind of like bears, um, you know, a person's soul or, or, uh, or whatever, you know, at some <laughs> point. So, um, so I, I want to, I'm like, what, what brought it on? You know, like what inspired those, those goals or those rides? Because that's, yeah. it's not a, it's not a place that most people ever find themselves, right? Like most people, even if they're super right. motivated athletes, you know, most folks are like, Oh, I wonder how fast I can ride across, you know, a, a continent, you know, twice. <laughs> um, so yeah, what, like yeah. walk me through what that, you know, what was the buildup? Like, yeah. how did you arrive at that point? Uh, and kind of from an inspiration perspective. Right. Yeah. It's been a while since I've talked about this. Um, I mean, people would ask me all the time, uh, you know, during those couple of years, but, but yeah, it's been right. some time. So it's, and I've certainly had a lot of time to think about things and, and, and reflect on, on the reasons and, uh, and the experiences and, uh, and the effects of, of that couple, two, three year period. Um, I mean, I think how it all started really was like, uh, it was, about three years before I started the U.S. trip, and and I don't know. I think I think like a um. So I was working in retail at the time, enjoying working with my coworkers, getting discounts on awesome products. Um, but for some reason, just did not really feel much purpose, and and. I had remembered at the time how much I enjoyed training in high school, being on the cross country and, and track and field team. And I had maintained a pretty active lifestyle, doing more uh, outdoor activities, got, getting into rock climbing and adventure sports and things like that. Um, but I feel like I wanted to return to something more structured, focused. And it was that year. I can't remember the year now, but, um, I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do an ultra marathon and, um, or no, it was a, it was a, uh, triathlon. Yeah. That's what I was like. I've never done a triathlon. I'm not really sure if I'll enjoy it, but it's kind of been on my bucket list and I'll, I'll do that. And so I, I trained for it and then, um, I did it, I completed it and it was okay. Um, but I think like, even though I didn't really enjoy it, it was kind of, it kind of solidified habits and reestablished a routine and enjoyment for, for exercise, um, for endurance exercise. And I think kind of from that point on, I was 
focused on trying to find a sport that I could really kind of give my all to. And, um, and later that year, I think it was the same year that I did the ultra marathon because I met a uh, new coworker, uh, Courtney Burt and, and, uh, she's a pretty integral part of the story because it was right around that time that I had been training for this triathlon, but I had been doing it on <laughs> majorly, uh, uh, animal based diet, you know, eating, you know, ribs mm-hmm. and, and all these animal foods that are, you know, most people eat and in moderation, I would say it's not that bad, but for an endurance sports activity, you, you know, you probably don't want to be getting, you know, most of your calories from protein. And, um, right. <laughs> and, and she was been doing, yeah. And she'd been doing ultra marathons and plant-based. And so I kind of, right after I did the triathlon, I did a bit of research and kind of dabbled in it. And, and uh, but over the course of a month, I kind of switched and did the triathlon. Uh, wait a second. Oh man. You're, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm realizing how, yeah, the, where I'm getting mistakes in the story now. So, so I went, yeah, I went plant-based a year. I did not complete the ultra marathon. I, I just wanted to like change the diet for that year to see how things would change. And I maintained a normal activity kind of, you know, running once or, once or twice a week. And, uh, and, um, I used to get, used to get sick since, uh, since high school, um, kind of a long story short, I like slept on a trampoline in grade 12 over the, over a fire and got laryngitis and lost like 15 pounds in, in less than a week. And since that point, I had been getting sick like multiple times, upwards of a week each every winter. And oh, it was wow. that winter after adopting this diet that I did not get sick once. And my whole family was kind of like uh, observant of me not getting sick once that, that first winter of being uh, plant-based and didn't really change anything else. Um, but, but it was just, it was just an eye opening experience. And it was the next year that I did the ultra marathon kind of taking after uh, my friend who uh, kind of uh, prompted or showed me a little bit about plant-based diet. And, and uh, that was, that was a good experience. And I felt like I really enjoyed the running and the ultra running. And I was like, Oh, I really enjoy this, this ultra stuff. And I was like, Oh, a lot of the people I was still working at retail at Mountain Equipment Co-op, which is similar to REI in the U.S. Um, and, and I had some friends that were bike mechanics there. A couple were ex-pro uh, mountain bike and uh, road racers in Europe. Um, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll try this cycling thing. And I felt like I just needed like a bigger goal. Like I wanted, I just at the time. I just enjoyed training and, you know, kind of wanted to like pursue that. And, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll ride across Canada. And I pondered it for like a month or so. And then I kind of decided again, right around new year's, I was like, okay, I'm going to ride across Canada. And I didn't have a coach, but I was kind of mentored by one of my, one of my coworkers who used to be pro and, um, and we would train together and I would, and, uh, and, train through the winter and just I begin reading about training periodization, but most of my training was just kind of like 
what most people do, just very low zone two, increase in the volume, not a lot of structure. And that worked, you know, that I, I did the, the Canadian, the Canada trip. Um, and, uh, yeah, so where, where was I going? So, um, what's, what's the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, yeah. And it's, I think it's really, it's cool that I think it's interesting to get the, like the, the background. Cause I think, um, I think a lot of people find themselves like in a very, that, I guess that similar space, right. That they're, that they have been active or are active. They have accomplished some goals, you know, maybe on and off in no particular order or sequence or rhyme or reason. And then they feel, um, some push to, to do something else, whether that's something bigger or something harder or, or just something that like allows them to sink their teeth into something. Yeah. Right. And I, I think like you're, you're, you're a great example of that because it's um, like, it wasn't, you know, it's on a race, right. I mean, so traditionally, you know, they, the, the kind of more straightforward thing to do is just pick an event that somebody else hosts and you go do that thing. And, um, but I think so often people, you know, it, it just needs to be something that's engaging mentally. Right. And I think that's, that's really, you know, I think the, the kind of original question was like, you know, what inspired a goal like that? And I think what you kind of uncovered is oh, that, right. like looking for that, looking for that mental engagement, you just needed something to kind of feel some purpose and like latch onto and feel like you were being driven forward by something other than your uh, deep discounts at your, you know, gear shop you were working at. Um, and I think that's a lot of, that's <laughs> special, you know, a lot of athletes come to, come to endurance sports in the very same way, right? It, it allows them a lens, a lens through which to kind of compartmentalize their, their life, right? It, it allows them some purpose, a goal. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, it can be whatever it is. It doesn't have to be, you know, a particular event or discipline or something. Um, yeah. So it's the other thing kind of reflecting or go ahead. It's, in, it's interesting reflecting on those experiences because most people are not, not in my position where they're kind of reflecting from the inside. They're usually observing endurance athletes that have done these things and they can't really put themselves in similar positions because it, it is so unique. Um, and um, yeah, I think, <clears throat> you know, looking back at my motivations during that, during that phase, by the, by the time I got to the, to the think of the ride across Canada, um, I was driven because I enjoyed it. However, I think at that point, my intentions began to focus shift also towards um, like notoriety or recognition. And I think that might, um, and, and also with the addition of like, like uh, not, not notoriety as in like, Oh, being popular, but like having an accolade, or like a special achievement under my name. So having a record, I think that's, that's just pretty awesome. I think that's what a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of athletes can, can resonate with. Um, and I think that's okay. I, I've thought about this before and I think it's okay having those kind of goals, but it is certainly important to be cognizant of when those begin to take the place of fun. And, um, 
and not that I didn't have fun and those, those memories aren't, uh, special, but, um, but there's certainly, <laughs> there's certainly a fair amount of PS, uh, PTSD that comes along with those types of endeavors as well. <laughs> so, yeah, no, yeah. They're, they're, yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. And those things take, those types of things take their, their toll. Um, I, I, I thought about something that it'll, it'll cause us to back up just for a second, but I, you know, when you, when you kind of lay forth, uh, a, a big goal like that, or, or honestly any, any goal, anything that's, that's challenging, you know, as an individual, you're like, okay, I'm going to go do this thing. And this thing is going to be, it's going to push me. And that's, you know, it's going to push me by design. That's the goal of this, this, you know, this thing that I've put my kind of eye on. And then, and then you have all this runway in front of you, you know, you, here you are, like, let's see, obviously let's use an example, you know, you're in Canada, you, you've done, you know, triathlon, you've done ultra marathon, you've, you've been active, uh, you're obviously fit and healthy, but then it's like, you decide to set your sights on this, on this, you know, lofty goal. And then you have, and then you're like, you're kind of where you're at at that point. And then you have all this, you know, I always describe it as like you, you're staring down the barrel of, of all of this work, right. That has to be done. Um, and so often I see athletes really struggle to, um, compartmentalize what it's actually going to take to get there. And, and it leads to, to like a breakdown or self-sabotage a lot of times. So I'm curious, like, how did you compartmentalize, you know, from the time when you said, okay, I'm going to ride across Canada to when you actually did it, how did you compartmentalize the the training aspect? I mean, how did you kind of move through and keep balance and keep your eye on the prize while also undergoing kind of the inevitable mm-hmm. massive buildup that it takes to get prepared for something like that? Um, how did, how did you, how did you, you kind of process that or compartmentalize it? Well, for the Canada trip, um, as well as for the U.S. trip, I didn't have a lot of responsibilities. So I, 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 I did plan ahead of time. You know, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to need, like, I, I did kind of structure and see the volume that I was going to need to build up to and when I was going to need to build up to it and how I was going to fit those rides in. So I was just like, in the, from the first year for the Canada trip, I was like, okay, I'm going to ride 50 Ks a day, five days a week. And I realized I couldn't do that. So it took me even you know, a couple, uh, like a month to get up to that point. And then I could begin to ride every you know, five days a week and, uh, and then begin to increase the volume uh, per day each week. And then every month I do a bit of a taper day, just pretty simple structure like that. Um, and I had flexible, I had flexible uh, working schedule. I could, I could, work three days a week or four days a week, or I could work a two to 10 PM shift. And so I could ride 180 K before my shift and then arrive for a 2 PM shift and work until 10. And that, that worked pretty well. Um, and I would do that. I would, I ended up doing that like a few days, uh, a few days a week for, uh, a month or two before, before my trip. Um, how did I like, um, and I think, I think for the Canada trip, I don't know, it wasn't, I think I really enjoyed it by that point. And, and I am pretty methodical. So it was, I think it was fairly well planned 
for the U.S. trip, I still enjoyed it. I knew I was taking on a bigger goal and, and it was going to be pretty encompassing. I think for those things, as well as someone might plan, uh, plan for them, it's hard, it's hard to, it's still hard to predict how you're going to feel, you know, you, you know, in the middle of planning, like you don't know after, you know, six months of planning and you're like two months away from the trip and you've done all this training, you're like, Oh, do I still really feel like it? People, people don't usually allow themselves that space to change their mind a week or two weeks before the event, just because they simply don't, you know, they're not attracted to the idea anymore. They, they feel like they need to commit because they've had this expectation and they're feeling themselves if they do otherwise. And that's certainly, I think that's probably where I found myself before the U S trip. I think, I'm, I'm so, I'm certainly so glad that I went through with it. Um, everyone makes that decision for themselves. Um, but, uh, but it was, yeah, definitely stressful for the, before the U S trip anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, so, I mean, do you feel like part of that compartmentalization is like having for you is kind of having, like having that plan in place, like you said, I mean, just something as simple as like, you know, trying to get to 50 K a day or 50 K five times a week on the bike. And then just kind of seeing that incremental progress, um, that, that plan or that structure allowed you to, to kind of move incrementally closer and closer to your, your goal. Cause I, you know, I think that's where people get derailed a lot of times is they, you know, so you have a big goal and then people dive in head first and they dive in like way too hard. Right. So let's, as an example, you know, if, if you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta ride across Canada or I gotta ride across us. And then like the first week of training or the first month of training, you went out and tried to ride, right. you know, 200 K a day because you knew you were going to, you know, I, I think people, people have a really hard time. Like they want to race to that finish line. I think that's that kind of compartmentalization that I was talking about. is like having a, having yeah. a way to kind of, kind of see the forest through the trees and realize the building blocks that it's going to take to get you to this thing. That's, that's like really far away. Right. Cause you also set these goals typically a year, two years, three years, you know, way in advance. And so when you, when you step back yeah. and you're like, you're, you know, here we are today and you have this big goal, you know, a year to, you know, multiple years down the road, people often just rush to like kind of get to work. And I, th- and I've seen it happen. Yeah. I'm sure you have too. And they, you know, <laughs> they, lo- they lose their passion for it. Right. If, if it's just too hard, too much, too fast, <laughs> you lose, you lose that kind of gusto and that that excitement and that drive, like you were talking about. Um, yeah, you know, um, what happened? So before I decided to do a Canada trip, a a partner of a coworker of mine, he, he had already run across Canada and he told me that he took a year to train for it. So I think, I think that was in the back of my mind when I was like, okay, um, it's not going to take me a year, but you know, maybe six months and or seven months or so. And, uh, I did, con- yeah, I consulted with my, with my coworker who, who was, um, pro and, and uh, yeah, he, I remember, yeah, he had suggested just, um, you know, slowly building up the volume over months. And then I kind of did my homework and figured out the math and thought like, okay, 10% increase, you know, uh, each each week or and kind of 
figured out what I thought I could do and just kind of got feedback. So I guess I did have some, some outside perspective that did help me with that compartmentalization uh, throughout the process. And then, um, yeah. So, so, so yeah, I did have that. <clears throat> so the other thing that I, that I think is, uh, is, is really unique. <laughs> and, and one of the things that I love the most about alternatives and stuff is that inevitably there's some really kind of dark periods, you know, <laughs> and I, I really, uh, personally, I, and then professionally too, I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's exciting in a way, uh, if you'll kind of allow yourself the opportunity to, to feel really poorly. Um, it's, uh, I think the other side of that is, is really great. And it's something that I kind of seek out, but, um, what, so, I mean, I imagine, uh, that there was some, 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 uh, plenty of peaks, but also some valleys as you were riding for 17 and, mm. and 25 days. What were, what, you know, what, what kind of tools did you develop to get yourself through those, to those kind of darker periods when maybe you weren't feeling as good or, you know, mentally, physically, you know, kind of all the things that can come up. Um, what did that, what, what, how did that evolve? Yeah. Um, you know, I really enjoyed, I think pretty much every day of my Canada trip. Um, there were some days, there was one day I remember that my muscles would not, would not, uh, uh, propel me all day long and I needed like a, needed a rest day. Um, but, um, but yeah, I pretty much, I pretty much loved every day of the Canada trip. It was, it was just such an amazing experience. Um, all the things, all the things that I got to see. Um, I remember in being, being in, in Ontario and getting up at three thirty in the morning and, and being in the middle of nowhere. Like I, it was, I was at a hotel, like that was probably, maybe a hundred K from like, uh, between, between towns and getting up pitch blackout, turning my lights on and looking up and seeing the Aurora Borealis. That was, that was wow. truly a memorable experience for that trip. Um, yeah, super wow. just spectacular. Just, uh, being, being alone and in the road and having the occasional Sammy <laughs> come flying past you, making sure your lights are <laughs> on. But yeah, seeing that Aurora Borealis, special um yeah i feel i feel like those are the uh, for the yeah go ahead sorry oh <clears throat> uh, um for the u.s trip it was it was uh it was pretty easy going for probably the first week probably the first five days um after that it was uh, it was, it's pretty, it's pretty tough. Every day was, was, I, I enjoyed it. Um, you definitely get to see special things and you realize that you're, um, you know, carving out your own path and doing what you do when you're driving or riding past people <clears throat> in their, in their cars. Um, but, uh, yeah, there, I mean, towards the end of the event, it was just exhausting. You know, we were, running off of an average of four and a half hours of sleep per night for, for the whole trip. Um, but towards the end of the event, you know, our bodies were beginning to not let us sleep that little. And we we're having, you know, we just would wake up seven after seven hours, a couple times. And we're like, Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. we're going to be riding 
you know, through, through midnight tonight. Um, <clears throat> there, <clears throat> there, there's, I mean, there's always muscular fatigue and mental fatigue, you know, um, I think one of the unique things about endurance sport is just the, well, from exercise in general, the endorphins that, you know, kick in after an ex, after an hour of exercise just keeps you going. And you just need to kind of, you know, you can't sustain, you know, intervals and stuff all day long, but you can, those, those endorphins can keep you going, you know, for 20 hours or more. So, um, but you just kind of have to get used to the fatigue there. There, yeah, there was one, day that was particularly difficult and that was about halfway but uh one third i think through the u.s trip and it was just a combination of i think uh lack of sleep emotional distress uh and it and it came to a head when i had a a groin pain that i've never experienced before and i've not i'm not one to normally experience, um, saddle sores, but, uh, but it, but it was raining that morning and, uh, and I had to like, I just had to rest for like, I think four hours cause I changed my clothes and kind of recollect, uh, myself. <laughs> um, yeah. How, how does one get through those? Um, you know, I think, um, I should have become pre- more prepared. I, I kind of figured we were going to talk about this. I was like, oh, what are we going to talk about? Probably my, probably my trips. <laughs> no, this um, is, no, I think it's, I think it's great. The, the preparation would have, would have ruined the whole thing. No one, no one wants to hear right. about your, uh, you know, yeah. your, your canned, uh, your canned speech for how you, uh, how you, <laughs> right. how you, you know, tackled it. Um, no, but I, I know, I think again, like, I, I think the, you know, what I hear you say is like, those the high points the bright spots um the the beauty the memories that you know that's what got you through and i think you know listening to you kind of recount your your experience it's something that i can um that i can really identify with because i think one of the one of the greatest things and if we can kind of keep this in mind it doesn't matter how long your thing is that you're doing i don't care if it's like three hours or or 30 days um if you can, I think, keep in mind that like when, when that thing is over, the odds are is that all you're going to remember are the, are the high points, right? You're not going to, when you're in, when you're in the low points, like for you, when you're, you know, having saddle sore and, and not sleeping and your body's like trying to force you to, you know, that can seem pretty desperate in those moments. But when you just told me the story, you breezed right through those things, right? Because what, what captures your, your memory and your imagination is all of the great aspects of it, you know? And I always think that's one of the greatest things about endurance sports is, is like the memories. And when you tell those stories again, very rarely, you know, or you don't, you don't dwell on the, the, the bad things and the kind of moments that seem to last forever in, in that moment, you talk about all the, Mm-hmm. you know, all the, the great things. I mean, that's of all the like hard, long, miserable, you know, <laughs> endurance yeah. you know, things that I've done in my life. I don't there. When I, you know, <laughs> talk about them, it's always the, the like cool stuff, you know, I'm like, Oh, you know, like sunrise from the top right. of a mountain or, you know, spending time with friends, whatever it is. Um, yeah. so I think that's the, that's, a, think- that's a, that's a, that's a great perspective and like a good takeaway. You know, I think for, 
especially people that are kind of newer to that space to, to, to yeah. have the expectation that that thing is not going to last forever. Um, we, we, I, I had a, um, one of our podcast, uh, episodes with, was with Celine Yeager, who is, um, writes for bicycling magazine and is a, a really, really well-known, um, uh, person in the endurance sports space. And she, she talks about it as a, as a pain tunnel and not as a pain cave. And I always thought that was great because the tunnel you can move through, right? There's a, there's another side. The cave is, is, uh, is a deep, dark, you know, place of despair that doesn't have a, an exit. Right. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, I always like to think of it that the tunnel is, uh, is what I, what I keep in mind. And yeah. I think, yeah, that's, that's think, a good, it yeah, won't, it won't last forever. Um, no, I, I think I agree with you for, for the most part. I think, I think most athletes, uh, you know, picking their, their endurance goals or their ultra endurance goals, um, experience that. And, and so they have these low points and, and they come out and they, they may remember those difficult points, but they, they focus, uh, on the, on the positives and they're able to keep going. Um, maybe it's just my case or maybe it's more probable with people that do these really long stuff, like 20 days or more. Um, but I think, you know, I, I, I've kind of reflected on why I don't, you know, why, why I didn't continue to do such things. And there's, you know, there's a factor of reasons like it was just, you know, part of a, part of a phase. Um, and, um, and, and those kind of come and go. Um, not that I'm you know, so, so exercising, but, uh, definitely different than, than those ultra things. Um, not that I won't go back to them, but, um, for myself, you know, I can, those, those, those great stories are, are fun to tell. Um, but, you know, the, the negatives, I think, I think some, you know, one will get through those and, and most people have that capacity to push themselves through that. Um, but, uh, but for events that are for, that are super, uh, super ultra endurance, I think it, it is important to be cognizant of when you're pushing yourself too much and there is a probability of it becoming a somewhat traumatic event. Um, and I don't think that's the case for most people. And that's you know, why, why I like to coach people to those events. Cause I think they're, they are awesome and they bring about memorable experiences. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, that's probably not the most positive, <laughs> uh, you know, addition to that, to that, you know, or positive caveat. But I think, I think there is a, uh, an aspect that is somewhat traumatic for people that do those events. Cause they're certainly not natural to do. And, um, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. and to keep doing those type of events, you have to, you have, you have to enjoy them. You have to have, find them fun. You know, no Olympic athlete. Well, I mean, maybe some, but you know, um, no Olympic athlete is, you know, achieving gold medal or something without, uh, having a very goal oriented uh, attitude, but also finding the fun. It takes, it takes two. You can't do it. You know, I think just yeah. with just one. Otherwise, you end up end up like someone who has found that whole experience somewhat traumatic, and they and they turn right. they walk away from the sport, or they 
you know, leave it to some capacity, but, um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're exactly right. That's a great point. Cause I mean, I, you know, I think, <clears throat> I mean, I know you and I have both seen that, you know, from the, from the kind of coaching perspective is you, you have athletes that are, can, I mean, that's a great way to put it. I, you know, are, are traumatized by certain experiences, um, you know, in training or, or racing or events or, you know, goals or whatever. And, and it's, it's hard. They, they fall out of love with the sport. You know, that's the, that's the kind of straw that breaks the camel's back. And they, um, so it's really, yeah, I think that perspective, I think it's a great point. It's really important to keep, keep that perspective, um, or keep some kind of level of fluidity too. Like knowing that you don't have to, you don't have to continue to do a thing just because you've done it in the past. You know, that if it's, if it's no longer enjoyable or it doesn't add value to your, your life, then, then, you know, switch it up. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Do, do something else, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And that, I, I guess that's, you know, yeah. that's a good point. Cause I, I know you're, I mean, you just, you just mentioned it or you, you know, you hit on it is that you, I mean, you've, you've done that. I mean, you know, relatively recently, like you had this, you know, massive, um, kind of, you know, background, uh, and spent a lot of time in this like ultra, ultra, ultra endurance space. Um, and, and you're, I mean, you're still, uh, you know, actively working, you know, in terms of like building your fitness, but it's not, a, it's not focused on that. And, um, do you feel like one, one of the things that I, see a lot of athletes struggle with it's not even an athlete. I mean, it's probably just like the human condition, but, um, mm. is that you, when, when you, when you, when you have accomplished something, uh, or you have memories of a, of a thing that you did, that was a great accomplishment. And if you get to a place in your life where you're, not doing that thing anymore, either at the same capacity or at the same, you know, level or the same, uh, enjoyment or whatever. And I'm not ascribing any of those, those, uh, adjectives to you, but just in general, people have a really hard time allowing themselves to, to shift. Right. So as an example, you know, Hey, I used Mm -hmm. to be, you know, an ultra distance racer. Well, you know, let's fast forward 10 years those things don't seem as enjoyable anymore, but they feel a lot of pressure to still be that person because they have done mm-hmm. it in the past. That's, that's such a part of their, of their identity is to be able to say that thing about themselves. And so letting go of that right. is really challenging. And you're, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're in a little bit of that same, you know, you have made a transition at least for this point in your life, but you're not, you're not riding across the U S and Canada this year, right? Uh, you, you have changed your goals do you, um, like, have you had any issues or, uh, um, like how have you Absolutely. allowed yourself yeah. to, to um, make that? I think, yeah. I think in the, in, you know, after the U S trip, um, you know, I got, I got, I got so much attention that for a little while, I don't, I didn't think, I don't think I realized that I was entering that phase of, of, um, of, uh, um, yeah, kind of some, some level of dysfunction. It's, um, um, yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree that, you know, 
people in general and, and athletes, especially when it's connected to their identity, have a super difficult time moving on. And, and even though, even though other areas of an individual's life, uh, can appear to shift and move on, um, doesn't mean that they've moved on completely. So, you know, even, you know, even myself, Oh, this, <laughs> uh, this, this is why you're such a good coach. And I, and I like to work with you in the past because it's, <laughs> you know, it's a counseling session. Every phone call. <laughs> you're, you're, you're welcome. Uh, I didn't know, you know, I, I thought yeah. you might need some therapy today. So I, I, that's why we're having, now. I'm just playing, but, um, yeah. And you don't, you know, I, mean, I don't want to tap into anything uh, o- overly personal, but I, I do. Uh, no, no, yeah. No. I mean, I, cu- I couldn't help but realize, uh, obviously, because you and I work very closely together and, uh, you know, talk on a weekly basis or, you know, multiple times a week that, you know, you're in the, that situation yourself that I've seen a lot of athletes find themselves in. So, yeah. Have you, yeah. have you, have you kind of had internal dialogue, you know, or, or, or maybe the better question is without kind of, you know, opening up Pandora's box, like how, how, how have you managed that transition for yourself in a way that seemed productive, you know, in terms of right. goal setting yeah. or compartmentalization or athletic identity? What, what does that look like for you? Yeah, that's, that's the, that's a good focus to, to put it on. Um, you know, I think, I think the most important thing um, for transitioning to anything and and just handling even day-to-day, you know, decisions that you have to make on prioritizing certain things, you know, is self-acceptance. Yeah. It's just, it's so important. Um, Cause you, you have to be aware of where you are, you know, in, in your life, and and in the in in the situation that you're in, whether it's a specific or broad, situ- you know, phase of life, um, you have to you have to be aware of where you are and accept that uh, what's ahead of you, and and you can either change or not change at that point. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess it comes down to sim- as simple as just being aware and accepting of. Uh, of where you're at. Um, but like, even, you know, um, uh, like, like I've gone on a few runs recently, uh, with my partner, Simone, and, and it's almost like, it almost feels sacrilegious. <laughs> even though I used to <laughs> like, Oh, yeah, man, I spent yeah, all this yeah. time on the bike, but, and then in your body afterwards, you know, the next couple of days, you're like, Oh, we didn't like that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, what a, what a brutal transition from being uh, a cyclist to, to running at all. I, uh, I've made that transition back and forth several times and it is so painful <laughs> <laughs> to move, to move from being a, uh, you know, a hundred percent cyclist to, uh, to a runner. Um, yeah, but no, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more and I'm glad that you, I love that you mentioned that self-acceptance piece because that uh, that gets lost so often in, in people's process. Um, and I, it's one of those things that I, I talk about a lot is that this kind of idea that, um, 
goals are only as good as their ability to add value to your life. Right. And and what I mean by that is like you, it doesn't do any good to put undue pressure on, um, on yourself. If, if it's not the right phase of your life. Right. Like I think, and, and, and I think, you know, so, so, so many people deal with that where they're like, they push forward and they push forward and it's like, clearly, um, clearly it's not the right time to pursue this thing. Right. But, and they do it, they kind of turn a blind eye to, to all these other factors that, that, you know, you're talking about and it ends up equaling burnout. Right. I mean, it, it ends up not, not being a productive experience. Um, and that's not what we want. You know, that doesn't do, yeah. doesn't do anybody, uh, any, any good. Um, so yeah, I, I just think, I, I love that you brought that up because it's one of my, like, yeah, it's probably one of my most important things that I, that I like to kind of make sure I'm paying attention to when I speak with athletes, um, is like, okay, you know, does, does this goal fit appropriately into this phase of your life? You know? Um, and and again, you know, just because last year you did, you did ultra distance stuff doesn't mean that has to be the focus this year. And it doesn't detract from, your, you know, purpose as an athlete, you know, it doesn't detract from your athletic identity. Um, you know, everything is moldable. So yeah, I think that's, I couldn't agree more. I think that's self, self-acceptance. And the outcome of, huge. yeah, it's super important. And the outcome of, of that perspective and, and reminder is, is not one, it's not, it's not ever, uh, one of, you know, failure or, or, you know, or, um, dissatisfaction. It's, it always ends up resulting in, in, in greater, you know, life satisfaction because, you know, it, it puts you in a, in a place where you have to reflect and, and, you know, it's either going to reinstill motivation for what you already have on your mind or, it's going to point you in the direction that you're, you know, you're intuitively already heading whether you're ready for it or not. And it just kind of prompts you to, you know, to take that first step. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a, it's, it's an important tool and, and it's a, it's a, it's an important component of working with athletes or, you know, coach athletes working with coaches because that's not a perspective that's, easily um self-taught so having that having mm-hmm. that partnership is super important for that yeah for sure yeah that that's a great point it, it is hard uh it is hard to get there <laughs> um objectively right it's hard to get there by by ourselves um it, it's or certainly the journey is it, it is long and arduous sometimes and it's, it helps to have a, have a, you know, a partnership or a relationship that with, uh, you know, a, an individual or team of individuals that can help, you know, kind of, uh, help you realize, you know, when that, like you said, like that clear kind of shift is, 
is on the horizon. Um, and I think, right. you know, you yeah. brought it up. Uh, I mean, you, you brought up a great point, like just the kind of willingness to be, to be flexible, you know, and like you said, like realize when, when those things, um, either they're going to kind of be self-affirming, uh, and you're going to say, like you said, it's going to, it's going to reinvigorate and, and motivate to push to, towards those goals, or it's going to, to help clarify, you know, maybe these, these thoughts that you've had about, you know, is it time to shift gears? Does this make sense for my life? Is this adding value? Um, what does this mean for my athletic identity? And if you really lean into those questions, um, having the ability or allowing yourself the space and kind of, like you said, the self-acceptance to, to be flexible. Like if the answer, if the answer is this thing isn't, you know, these ultra distance goals aren't, and I'm using that as an example, but you know, these ultra distance goals aren't, um, aren't right for me for this time of my life being willing, willing to, to like, just accept that and be like, Oh, that's the right answer. You know, cause that's where, that's where people go wrong, you know, or, or get sidetracked too, is they, they get the answer and then they don't listen to it. You know, they're like, no, that can't yeah. be it. That's, that's not, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to keep doing the thing. Um, when all yeah. signs again I, kind of point to, you know. Yeah. And what I, I don't know, what I have found, um, I think looking at other athletes that have achieved really, um, uh, noticeable, you know, success. Um, I mean, they're obviously goal, goal oriented and they think it's a priority to do the best they can in every aspect of life. However, you know, and this is applicable to, to athletes that are not only ultra endurance, but, you know, doing shorter one day events or, you know, could be even an hour. And, and that is just to make it fun. You know, even, even athletes that are used to riding road, you know, or cyclists are used to riding road, um, can, can benefit from, you know, reminding themselves that, you know, maybe next year I would try mountain biking or switching to run or, you know, something like that. It, 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 you got to keep it fun. And, um, that's, I think it's an important, important component to sure. involving as an athlete and, um, as a person. So, yeah, well, I think you, I mean, I think just using the term to, you know, athlete, I always really like to kind of reiterate that, you know, that's, that's what we're striving for is, you know, the pursuit of, being an athlete, not necessarily the pursuit of a particular discipline, right? That there's value in the pursuit yeah. of, yeah. of, of athleticism. And even if that particular discipline doesn't, doesn't fit into, you know, your life in a particular time period, like you said, you know, if you used to be a mountain biker or a road cyclist or a runner or whatever, and then that, you know, it just, it's not in the cards that, that season or that year or whatever, for any particular reason, shifting gears doesn't diminish your, uh, you know, your athletic identity, right? You can move around in lots of different kinds of spaces and still find fulfillment. Um, you know, I, I dealt with that for a long time. Like, you know, I was a cyclist and I raced a very specific discipline. I was really good at that, uh, discipline. I had achieved my goals and then it was when it was kind of time to, to move on from that, I, I was like, well, I can't do anything else. I'm, 
I'm X, you know, and, and I put in a, and it took me a while to be like, Oh, you can be, you can be a runner. You can, you can be someone who really enjoys strength training. You can be, um, you know, you can be a rock climber, you can be a skier, you, you know, and, and all yeah. of that engagement still fulfills, you know, using myself as an example, still fulfills my athletic identity and my need to be, to, to push myself uh, physically, but it doesn't necessarily manifest itself in the way that it did, yeah. you know, five, yeah. 10, 15, and, 20 years ago. Yeah. And there, you know, there are examples of this with athletes that, you know, are super famous. Um, I'm sure they all practice their regular sport still um, somewhat consistently, but um, one, uh, one one example is um, Ryan Hall. You know he's like one, yeah. you know, probably yeah. America's yeah, greatest example. marathon runner, and and he's uh, you know now he's into like powerlifting and stuff. Like he's huge. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's still coaching that runner, but yeah, yeah. No, that's a great example. So yeah, and I I I love that story, that transition or transformation with Ryan because. Uh, I follow professional distance running really closely. And, you know, so he was someone that I was, have, have watched for years and years, you know, on the kind of on that stage. And then, yeah, when he retired from running and then, you know, you see a picture of him like six months later and he's just, he's huge. I mean, you know, you're like, you're used to this very, very skinny, uh, very, very lean, you know, uh, marathon runner. And yeah. then, yeah, he's like, you know, put on, you know, put on what, you know, 40 pounds or something of muscle and, um, yeah, that's a great, but it, yeah. I, that's such a good, I loved his story for that exact reason. Like he's still an athlete, you know, he's still engaged. He just realized kind of the season that that particular focus had in his life and was able to kind of re-engage in another space and still find fulfillment in, in, yeah. you know, or for his athletic identity um, I, I'm sure he had, you know, disruption. I'm sure that wasn't without some, some, you know, some very careful thought and consideration, but you know, that, um, that switch is something that's really great. And it's, again, it's something that a lot of, so many athletes don't allow themselves the privilege and opportunity to kind of engage in, uh, which I think can be a missed opportunity. A lot of times, you know, that can take, right. that can really allow for, um, you know, kind of re-engagement uh, in a way that's really productive versus being really stressed out and, and really uh, feeling kind of beat down if you're not able to operate in the same capacity or space that you used to be able to. Um, man, that's great. Yeah. I, uh, I'm so excited that you, that, that we got on that topic because it's, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> I just think it's so, so important. Like at the end of the day, <laughs> like you said, like, it's gotta, it's gotta be, it's gotta be fun and engaging. And it's gotta be something that, that adds value to your life. And it doesn't have to look the same as it did last year or last month or, you know, five years ago or, or whatever. And, um, I think if more people could navigate that trend, those types of moments productively, we'd have a lot more people that remained athletes for a lot longer, you know, and, and, and got to experience the benefits that come with being, with being an athlete, being an engaged, um, you know, someone who's engaged and, and, um, you know, engaged with the, the kind of development of their, their body, which I think is, 
is something that's a real a real treat um yeah but, yeah the more you know yeah. we want more people exercising for we want more people being lifelong exercisers you know that's that's uh kind of yeah. kind of focus yeah yeah, yeah. I always say your body, your body doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't matter to your body if you're really healthy for one season, <laughs> you know, like it, you, it, it, yeah. it only matters. It only matters if you stick with it. You know, that's, that's what your body cares about. It, it, it wants to be healthy for its entire life, not just have one good race for one season and then, and then struggle, yeah. struggle to find, yeah. motiv- struggle to find motivation for the rest of your life. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, anyway, um, all right, Carson. Well, that was, uh, thanks for the chat. That was, uh, that was awesome. Uh, again, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm still jealous of your, uh, of your moniker, even though you've gotten, uh, you've gotten kicked off of the top step for the, uh, for the, uh, uh, for one of the distances. That's all right. Well, well, I, I still think you're, uh, you're, you're awesome. And, uh, that's, that's all that matters. Maybe, you know, <laughs> Yeah, thanks Carson. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks Taylor.